It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Eric. Listen in as they discuss a variety of topics, such as disaster movies of the 70s, Akira Kurosawa, and modern Star Trek. work I need to do at home is like data entry and uh, with my multiple screens I'll just put something on and so because I was doing work from home for several hours today that that's how I got through all those movies there's no way I could get through all those movies if I wasn't doing that because it would have been too much <laughs> and were they uh, just predator related or uh yeah yeah oh, okay cool mm-hmm yeah, no, that's what I do, too. That's how I can get through all these massive lists. It's because I work from home most of the time. So I've been you know, working my way through my... I've almost finished my disaster movies of the 70s list. And then I'm moving on to uh, paranoia films of the 70s. I decided to stay in there for a while longer. you say paranoid or paranoia? Uh, paranoia. It's not a real classification. It's just like a, a kind of a vague lump. I think we discussed this a little bit. They had all those kind of thrillers. I was going to say, like, would like... The Body Snatchers would be a paranoia film. Yep. Andromeda Strain. Yeah, I, I don't know if I included that one. Maybe I'll quickly go and look at it and see. Yeah, it actually, uh, one of the recent disaster movies I watched was The China Syndrome. And that's kind of a cross between a disaster movie and the kind of paranoia films. And I was so impressed that it just, I was like, okay, maybe I should go through these when I'm done. Have you heard much about The, uh, the China Syndrome? I've heard of it, but I don't really know anything about it. Yeah, that's where I was too. All I knew that it had some association with disaster movies. But I even I messaged Sean. I was like, hey, you know, I think like have you seen this movie? I think me, me, you, and Eric should do it because I was very impressed with uh, what that ended up being. But Mm. no, I know almost nothing about it. Yes, this is a random list. I haven't heard of a lot of these. I've got the Kremlin Letter, yeah, the Andromeda Strain, Punishment Park, Clute. I've wanted to see Clute for quite a long time. That one I've heard of. Yeah, let's scare Jessica to death. I've seen, and then um, Execution Squad, Prime Cut. This, this, there's actually a lot of them on this list. I'm not going to go through them all. There's 53 of them. But <laughs> yeah, there's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh yeah, Marathon Man. I've never seen that. Network. All the President's Men. So I get a lot of cool ones. Network. I've seen Marathon Man when I was a kid. Yeah, all the President's Men. All the President's Men, not properly. But did you see um, the Spielberg movie? That's similar. Oh no, I don't. I don't think I know anything about that. Hmm. Mm, the Post. Oh, The Post. No, I didn't see that one. Very relatable. Is it a good one, or because I think that's latter day Spielberg, and I tend to. Oh yeah, it's fairly recent. Uh, I'd say it's in his. Um, if you um, if you divide his catalog into quarters, and the there's the top quarter. Of all his films, I'd say it's in the second quarter. Oh, okay. Of all his films, second from the top. It's kind of like me and Sean have discussed it a little bit. Of his modern efforts, it's it's one of his quiet, good ones. But it's you know it doesn't draw attention to itself. Mm. But it's also not over bloated. Like it feels like one of his relatively like lower budget ones. Well, yeah, low budget for Spielberg. Um. Loki, but spoiler alert. What I thought was interesting about it after seeing it, it's very much like all the presidents men. It's these it's based on a true story. Journalists who uncovered some big stuff in the late sixties. Or maybe it was actually mid seventies. But early mid 
what I thought was interesting was that they discovered that the U.S. government was hiding all its motives about, like, the war in Vietnam. And it was kind of like a bombshell kind of discovery and blah, blah, blah. And I just thought it was interesting because, um, obviously, Spielberg's a left-wing kind of guy. And a lot of the onus, now you would think Nixon, um, you know, is a bad guy when it comes to Vietnam. But the stuff they were getting into, like, predated his presidency. So it was really, I'm going off of memory here, very at the at the hands, well, started by the Kennedys and then made worse by the LBJ. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Um, the administration. Yes, thank you. And I just thought it was interesting um, to be very critical of that, mm-hmm. just considering he's a left-wing guy. I mean, obviously, the story takes you where it takes you, but that's all. Well, yeah, I mean, Democrat or Republican, they're pretty much all on the same same board when it comes to the foreign policy, so not surprising. LBJ was always kind of a mixed bag when it came to that stuff. From my recollections, I used to be more interested in that stuff when I was younger. So a lot of it's left my brain, but... No, it's weird, yeah, because LBJ is not a favorite president, especially if you're on the right side of the aisle. It's just weird because, um, you know, he was a very Texas guy, originally from Texas, blah, blah, blah. So it's weird when you have, like, a weird association like that. Because, like, you don't hear about him much these days. Because uh, this is not a very uh, democratic state at the moment. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize he was from Texas. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of things named after him. Go visit his house. Yeah, all <laughs> stuff. Let me see. Is there anything else going on besides Predator? I've watched very few movies in the in this month until just recently. Because, um, you know, I track everything on the Litterbox app. And I literally mm-hmm. didn't watch any movies for the first whole two weeks of August which it's rare for me to go that long without watching a single movie. So yeah, very unusual. Let's see. Oscar nominations 2016. I know I'm going to know it as soon as I see it. Well, I guess in the meantime, I'll mention a few uh, notable ones that I watched recently. So continuing my disaster movie series, I watched The Swarm. Have you ever seen that one? What years are from? Yeah, this is 79 with uh, Michael Caine. No, I've never seen it. I don't think. Maybe I caught a little bit on TV once, but no, not really. Yeah, I'd seen it a bunch on TV when I was younger, but I don't think I ever sat through and watched it all the way. Wow, that was the waning years. That thing is just... I mean, it's it's comically bad. I would recommend it as a fun, bad movie, but it's two and a half hours long. And that's just insane that they made it that long. It's just horrible. And Michael Caine plays a super weird performance. But I also watched a couple good Orson Welles movies. Touch Evil. Kind of recommended covering at some point. But I also watched The Trial. And The Trial was super duper cool. What's that? Um, direct, it's a adaptation of the Franz, is it Franz or Franz uh, Kafka story. Yeah, directed by Orson Welles, starring Anthony Perkins. And that's a really, really Never cool Wells movie. Might make my top uh, three of his films. I think that thing's fantastic. Um, hmm. And then I also watched a really cool Akira uh, Kurosawa film. Because I've been very, very slowly making my way through his, one, his stuff. Called One Wonderful Sunday. One Wonderful Sunday. Where well, well, is yeah. that one from? I'm not sure. Maybe like 47 maybe? Let me quickly look it up. Oh, it's an old one. Yeah, I started back from zero, so I've been slowly, very slowly making my way through, because a number of them have been pretty, pretty dull, I'll just say, in this early period. But this one I really liked. It was this, this kind of romantic comedy, but with a really depressing edge to it, because it takes place just a few years post the war, still during the, still during the uh, U.S. occupation, and it's focused on these two people who feel like they have no future, and they're really broke, but they're still trying to have one nice day together. And it's a pretty cool movie. Definitely recommend it. Wait, what's it called again? Uh, One Wonderful Sunday. It sounds familiar when you described it. And then I'm trying to think, where would I have seen this? 
But I remember there one day out. Oh, it was a long time ago. It might have been when I still got discs from Netflix. I can't remember. Because I got Ikuri or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it was this one? Uh, Was the other one I got right after it? Let me look. It just sounds familiar when you describe the plot. Yeah, I think of the movies I've seen of his so far, which I believe this was the seventh one. This was my favorite of what I've seen so far. So I was pretty happy with it. No, this is not the one I was thinking of. What'd you like so much about it? I just, because a lot of them have been kind of, I feel like maybe there was some sort of cultural difference that I couldn't really relate to the characters as well. But these one, these people being so like kind of low on the economic scale and at least the male character, like he's super depressed. He he basically doesn't even want to go on the date. He's just kind of humoring this, this girlfriend of his. But he's just a completely miserable guy. But every now and again, you see this kind of light of who he used to be poking through. And I think all that comes across really well. And I quite like the uh, the way it's photographed. And they're just kind of wandering around the streets. And it feels kind mm-hmm. of like um, like a time capsule a little bit. Yeah. So, so I really appreciate that. I it's a character I saw. So you, I, do you agree with this premise I'm about to say? That generally speaking um, when Asians like like China or Japan um, when it comes to their art like their music, film, television for the most part doesn't it seem like it's even their manga doesn't it seem like it's a copy of just western stuff and generally speaking like a lesser version Mm -hmm. do you agree with that premise? no, no I wouldn't I feel like it's I mean, they're definitely inspired, but I feel like they have a very different... No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe I'm not setting it up right. Sure. Now, I'm not saying there's some wildly creative people in in all those different endeavors, but I'm looking at it as a whole, like, generalizing, standing back, and the amount of innovators in all those areas, I don't think it even comes close when you compare the West to the East. And of course, I'm not talking about classical times either. <laughs> yeah, and that could come down to just a much bigger industry. Like there was a time when the Germans were the ones pushing film because they were just pumping money in. Right. Because obviously when you and I watch Eastern films, obviously we're watching the best of the best. Obviously we're not watching like the run of the mill, like throwaway kind of stuff. Because if you start digging into that stuff, like it'll never end. Like with stuff like The Swarm. <laughs> like hmm. like if we had access to that stuff because that stuff doesn't even come across you know across the ocean but you know what I mean it'd be a bottomless pit of garbage um, hmm. with television and movies and probably music if we had access to the the mundane stuff um, so anyway I, I think that's a fairly true premise overall Uh and then that being said, it makes it even that much more remarkable to me when you have someone like an Akira Kurosawa or um, uh, Miyazaki, how mm. they're not just good for the East, like they're good worldwide, and that just makes them stand out even more to me. Um, or like Bergman obviously is that good because I'm sure there's plenty of other good Swedish filmmakers, but you know. He had to be that good for everyone to know who he is, considering mm-hmm. he came out of Sweden. Um, anyway, and then I was just thinking right now, I wonder, like, if you had to try to figure out who was, like, the American equivalent uh, in scope and style of Akira Kurosawa, like, American director or Western director, I don't think there's any one, but maybe he's, like, an amalgam of some Western directors combined into one person yeah it's well i haven't seen enough of his filmography to say well neither have i but i'm only assuming i've only probably seen five of his movies start to finish but just based on what i've seen already (laughs) it's pretty clear yeah because i I feel like there's people who would just jump to oh spielberg i mean he's been so influential oh no 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 no, no no that would be a weak answer but yeah, that's what I would say. I'd be like, ah, I don't know about that. 
No, 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 no. He, okay. I, I think he's got hmm, a little bit of Hitchcock in certain kind of ways. I don't necessarily mean the obvious Hitchcock ways. The reason I say Hitchcock is because I say mainstream appeal, um, prolific, highly prolific, you know, spanning decades, all kind of genres. Uh, but then, man, there's some Kubrick in there, but obviously not exactly. There's got to be some other elements of other people in there. I mean, there is a little bit of Spielberg, Spielbergian stuff. Or if you could imagine Spielberg if he started it in an earlier decade. Because, like, when I saw that one, um, I can't think of what it's called now. A movie about a trial. Rashomon. Mm. Rashomon, which came out in what year? 51. Or 50. Like, man, that movie just blew me away. Like, in the editing, in the unconventional storytelling the way it used flashbacks and then it just seemed incredibly modern well for the time that it came out um and just like man who is this guy how do you come up with something like that in such a year I mean, it's kind of like when like the first time i watched citizen kane like how do you do this how do you do this in 1939 like how do you it's like the beatles like when they came out with their groundbreaking albums and singles like how do you create something that's like not really existed before um mm. like how do you do that yeah i was gonna say orson welles might be one of the american versions of a, a kurosawa oh yeah but i don't feel like he's necessarily like i feel like so many of his movies didn't really get seen necessarily into in, a wide scale right so maybe he's not well remembered yes yeah but he does have some elements of him even though he kind of sort of fell off the radar but let's not forget he's in the Transformers movie. Animated movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last role. Well and I'll say I'm I'm almost done his filmography. I've only got five more Orson Welles films. And I'm surprised how many truly great films he did make that don't get as much discussion as, as they should, I think. So I've I've really loved going through all that stuff. Did you watch that one? I forget what it's called, something about the Albertsons? Uh, yep, the Magnificent Ambersons. Ambersons. Was that good? Oh, I really enjoyed it. Wells himself hates it. He says that the studio cut it and ruined it, but I, I still think it was a great movie. I've always been curious about it ever since it came out on uh, Criterion. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. I, I like that one a lot. And he does this narration throughout. Man, that guy is just a fantastic voice for narration. Uh, later on in his career, he stopped... Um, he stopped having written credits at the fronts of his movies and he would just read out the cast list this film is starring all these people and then at the end he'd be like and this character played by orson wells who also wrote and directed the film and just the way that he would do that i thought was really unique i've never seen another filmmaker do that but it really adds a kind of gravitas to the actors um, you gotta see his weird cameo in uh i'll play the end movie in a second I told you he's in one of those movies in the, um, oh, what is that damn Criterion set called? Oh, the BBS? Um, the BBD, B, 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 BBS? Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, something like that. <laughs> if that's the set. So, I was going to say BBD. Um, oh, A Safe Place. I think that's what it is. Yeah, that's it. His cameo is brief, but it's super weird. <laughs> Oh, really? You can probably watch it on YouTube and it's probably not even a minute long. <laughs> That's interesting. Oh, super weird. But it's a weird movie. It's a very, uh, it's a very hippy dippy movie. Um, but man, I forgot because when I watched it, even though it doesn't seem like a very significant movie, a safe place, I felt like I've seen elements of it. Tone, uh, tone, tonally, I feel like pieces of it have been grafted into other movies that are totally different. Um, because a lot of it takes place in this apartment, uh, and it's one of the, and it's one of those apartments where you go to the roof and where people have like pigeons and stuff. And I feel like that's been done like in a million things, <laughs> but for some reason, a safe place feels like the original. 
That's interesting. Yeah, is that one you'd recommend? Should I add it to my watch list, or is it kind of... No, I wouldn't say that, no. Oh, okay. No, not unless you were going down that path of that box set. Otherwise, I don't Mm. think the movie stands stands on its own. Yeah, and I'll mention something in a similar vein. So I've been going through all these disaster movies, and there's one that I just have not been able to find. I've been looking everywhere for it. And it's called Hurricane, starring Mia Farrow. And from everything that I can read about it, it sounds like it was a pretty terrible movie. And so I feel like if I don't bother, uh, if I don't watch it during my this big retrospective, I feel like I wouldn't get much out of it. But because I haven't been able to find it, it's like my white whale. And I'm just desperate to right. get a copy of it. <laughs> and I don't want to pay too much because it's supposedly a terrible film. Well, you're doing I feel like out. it'd be a waste of money. I think it was 79, I think. Because I'm on 79 now, so I, I don't think I skipped it. Or maybe it was 78. Wow. It doesn't even come up on the, on the website where I, I try to find things that are difficult to find. Yeah, it's been buried. Nobody liked it when it came out. I think it was a Dino De Laurentiis film. I didn't even hear about it. And a bunch of his flicks are just lost. Lost in a well somewhere. How did you hear about it? If it's almost forgotten. I, I've got a ton of forgotten films that I haven't been able to find. I, I scrolled around and searched everywhere I could to find disaster movies before I made this list. So any one that I would find, I would just, yeah, pop it on there. Even if I didn't know if I'd be able to actually watch it, I just wanted it on the list just so I'd know about it. Hmm, I found it, but oh. this is, I don't know if it's in English or not. Yeah, that's, I found a couple that, yeah, I wasn't sure if they're in English. So I was like, I don't know if I want to. Pay the money to import it and order a different currency. Because again, it's not even supposed to be a good movie. I'll probably never watch it again. So I don't want to pay too much for it. But I don't know if this is Polish, Hungarian. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Oh wait, here we go. This is in English. Nope, it's not available <laughs> there. Yeah, I did notice there was a Blu-ray on on the U.S. Amazon for like fifty bucks plus shipping. But it's not even a, it's like a, I think it's like a, maybe an Italian disc. And so I was like, oh, do I really want to pay $50 US and get it all? Uh, I don't know. But I'm considering it. Uh, I'm considering just wasting the money on it. But oh, but I'm excited though. My next one's actually uh, Beyond the Poseidon Adventure, which I've never seen before. So I'm excited to, to see that, see if it's any good. Amazing movie. It's one of those ones, there's many of them from the 80s. Or I mean... Back in the 80s, I know it's not from the 80s, but back in the 80s, for some reason, they'd always show Poseidon Adventure Part 2, Airplane Part 2, um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Friday the 13th Part 2, Psycho 2. Like They'd always show <laughs> the sequels, and r- rarely would you see the original. Rambo, First Blood Part 2. Um, oh, Star Trek, except that one works out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's cheaper to get those ones. Or at least in Star Trek's case, nobody wanted to watch uh, the motion picture, so they just didn't bother picking that one up. Hell no, not on TV. <laughs> oh, it, fi- it took a long time. It's loaded. Let me hear what language it's in. Oh my god, the music sounds like um, reminiscent of a spaghetti western. <laughs> oh really? Well, I guess this is Dino De Laurentiis. Maybe brought in some buddies. Yeah, it sounds like Ennio Morricone type score, <laughs> knockoff. Oh no! Interesting. Uh, fit for... I feel like I'm watching a Quentin Tarantino movie. Max von Zito. Holy shit! Oh wow! See, I really want to see this film. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I feel like I'm watching something out of Quentin Tarantino's personal library. The music. <laughs> is... Like, I swear he would have sampled this for Kill Bill. Hey, maybe he did. Oh, it sounds just like one of the themes in Kill Bill. Nope, it wasn't Italian. Or, uh, or Inglorious Bastards. It wasn't Italian doing the score. <laughs> Probably one of Dino's friends from, yeah, back home. All right, let's get past these credits. I want to hear the speak. Yeah, 20 minutes later with those credits. Oh, boy, back in the day. All right, I found it for you, buddy. Let me send you this link. It all works. Whole whole movie. Oh, and they're speaking English? Yes, sir. Oh, goddamn. Yeah, gonna watch that tonight. 
<laughs> I'm so excited and it's going to be terrible. I just know it's going to be a disappointment. But yeah, I have a weird affection for Dino De Laurentiis, even though he made so much crap. For whatever sure. reason, I just, just have some sort of affection for him. Oh, I guess it says English right there in the in the title. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm very happy to watch that. <laughs> I was going to be so choked if I had to skip it. Because <laughs> I know in any other context, if I was just, like, bored one day, like, two years from now, I would not get the same thing out of it that I would while I'm still steeped in this stuff. And I'll say, I even considered uh, making a Disaster Movies of the 90s playlist, even though I... I don't have any fond recollections of that stuff the same way I do with the 70s stuff. Oh god, I don't even think about that stuff. A lot of it I haven't seen since I was a kid, so... But it was it was big back in the day. And... I remember I thought the Poseidon Adventure remake was... It was pretty good, but... Still, it's like... The same thing I thought about the RoboCop remake and the Total Recall. Like, mm. they're all just pretty good, but there's no reason to watch them over watching the originals. That's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah... I remember I I was excited for that remake, but I really don't remember anything about it, except that Kurt Russell was in it. That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, I imagine like if you had never seen the original and then you were just watching the remake for the first time, and you were seventeen. Well, yeah, that was a pretty good movie. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, but like all those remakes I just named, like none of them does anything particularly different to separate it from the original except for total recall which was weird did you watch i mean the thing that makes it different than the original no i never i never saw that one um you know the original story right yep so if i remember correctly so obviously you know there's stuff between earth and mars um in the original but in the remake if i remember correctly uh People live on one side of the earth, um, and there's, like, a shaft that literally goes through, like, the planet. I don't know if it goes through the core, but it cuts across so that uh, I don't have a globe on me. But let's say you're in the United States, um, or you're in Australia. Wait. There's, like, the United States, there's Australia. Um... And, 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 like, the people live on one, and then they go through the shaft, and it takes them to the other side of the world, but where, where like, life, because it's the future, life is grim, and, and they just work there, like, mining and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So instead of going from Earth to Mars, they're going from one side of Earth to the other side of Earth. It's just because of whatever happened, it's, like, two completely different worlds. Um, because of, I don't know if it's post-World War Three or, or what the deal was. Huh. So there's no Mars or Martian aspect at all? They just cut that out? If I remember correctly, yes. I mean, That's I mean... That's weird. Right, there is no... like. It's the other side of the planet Earth, which is like an alien world. I mean, not, or like... Not alien, but you know what I mean. Foreign world. If I remember correctly. Yeah, and so to travel through the Earth's core is sort of like taking a space journey if i think it's been a while yeah it's interesting around that time when that came out i had a similar mindset that that isaac has now where it's like oh that looks bad i'm just not gonna see it like i'm gonna purposely like protest its existence and kind of oh, give a protest vote of not supporting with my money now i'm in a completely different boat now i just don't give a fuck <laughs> i'll watch anything for some reason i was just like yeah i'm down I think cause I saw I, all these I just named. No, no, not Poseidon, but the other two I saw at the movies. Poseidon I rented, uh, the new versions. Yeah, I think I was in the mindset of like vote, vote with your dollar. If if people don't come out and see these films, they'll stop making all these crappy remakes. But they'll just keep making them. They don't care. I mean, <laughs> for some reason I thought they might be decent or like decent twists. Uh, RoboCop and Total Recall. Um, and I was actually kind of enjoying RoboCop. Uh, it just didn't blow me away or anything. Um, yeah, the next movie me and Sean are supposed to watch, that I need to watch, I guess, first thing tomorrow, is um, The Martian. And oh, neither yeah. one of us is looking forward to revisiting that movie. <laughs> uh, you might be somewhat okay with it. That's how I remember we'll feeling. See. I was like, it's okay. 
it's not that I thought it was a terrible movie. It's just people built it up way too much, and too many people were calling it like their favorite movie at the time. Yeah. And I was just like, get out of here. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, I, 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 but uh, I think I'll watch the extended version, which I have not oh, seen. Oh, wow. Didn't even know they made that. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about it. I think I went in with my arms crossed. I was like, this Ridley Scott, I mean, the guy, he's so hit and miss. I mean, this could be okay or it could be crap, but I knew it wasn't going to be good. So I think I came out more pleasantly surprised just because my mindset. I feel bad. I shouldn't kick around Ridley Scott, but I feel like he's got such a bad track record. I really think he's one of those guys, um, I, I guess, I think, because I haven't done a deep dive on him, like reading about him. But I imagine he's one of these guys, he's more of a producer than a director in the traditional sense. Because mm. I, I think he's one of those directors who just assembles people. You know what I mean? Gets a cinematographer, gets someone to do the score, gets an editor. Like, get, brings people together. And then they make the movie. That's what I think. Because mm. I don't know how else to explain. Um... Yeah, how he's just all over the place. And he doesn't seem to have any type of autistic style either at the same time. Yeah, no consistency. You never know what you're going to get with him. Yeah, if you didn't know his name was on projects, you you wouldn't really be able to tell. Except for the obvious ones that are related to each other. You would have no idea. Yeah, it's weird. Let me just say one more thing before we actually get started um yeah just the other day i was my local walmart and i kind of hate how well i don't know what's like over there in canada like if y'all even have walmarts or whatever but okay briefly going back in the day uh, once places like um i don't know if you know the chain circuit city but it went out of business like in the late aughts and it was like the only competitor Best Buy. In the old, old days, Best Buy and Suncoast were the place to buy physical media movies. Like, that, those were the places to go. But then, as the years went on, um, and Circuit City died out, and then, over the years, Best Buy, like, their section kept shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. So, Walmart became the place to get physical media movies um, in, in the days of DVDs. And then... Of course, with Blu-rays, um, Walmart, and to a lesser extent, Target were the place to go um, for DVDs because you know they had a wide selection, cheap prices, um, and then of course 4K came along, and and Walmart continued to be the place to go. And since 4K came out, like the amount of movies, like the selection, like the 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 section where they would have 4K movies, like from the time the the format came out, it, it kept getting bigger and bigger, and I was like, "Oh, this is so awesome!" Like, and then about two years ago, it started contracting, and 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 contracting and contracting, like a 4K physical media disc, and then the Blu-ray started vanishing at the same time. And I mean, like options of Blu-ray and and 4K, and and concurrently with the decline of both of those formats, as far as how much they have on the shelves, DVDs have been risen from the dead, and they're just like exploding again, like with DVD releases of everything, and it's like a cancer, and like DVDs are just coming back because they're so cheap, like they're, you know. You know, complete set of Friday the Thirteenth uh, for like twenty dollars, or or on DVD, yeah. or Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, seventeen dollars, and all kinds of other bullshit. So now the DVDs are just taking over, and I and I, I hate it obviously, and I scoff at it because like I'll see cool things and I'm like, could this be on Blu-ray or 4K? Like I don't want to yep. buy it on DVD, um, but they actually had something that caught my eye yesterday. Um, and it was the the complete set of the Transformers, the original cartoons. And 
I was like, oh shit, this must have just come out here and been put on the shelf. And it's only $34. Oh shit. And of course, they don't sell it. I mean, it doesn't exist on Blu-ray or anything. So, oh, I guess I gotta buy this. Uh, I had the original Season 1, Season 2 humongous box sets years ago on DVD. Um, they're like in storage somewhere. And I was like, I can get this whole box set right here in this nice little package. And so I got it, and it's fantastic, of course. I mean, I'm still in season one. Um, but I can't wait to get past season, or the, the, the short season one and get into the meteor stuff. And then I went ahead and bought the uh, the Japanese box set. Well, it's U.S. release. Because, you know, the Japanese cons- continued for three more seasons. Like from where the American cartoon left off. Um, and, uh, um, oh man, like, what was that? I can't remember the streaming platform that was real big. Uh, not streaming platform, but, um, it was something other than MPEG. And it was very common before the days of YouTube as an alternative to... You had to download that player like in the year 2003, 2002, 2001. Do you remember what I'm talking about? No, no. Like a player or like a file type? It was both. It was a file type that was an alternative to JPEG or MPEG. Um, And you would download like their player from their website um and back then there was like two competing formats and i always i had heard about those japanese cartoons and i'd always wanted to see them and obviously they didn't sell them back in the day so i back in the day when ebay was a relatively new thing still i looked on ebay and they had like the whole japanese season um but the guy had just burned it onto cd-rom discs and it was in that other format, that rival format to MPEG. Um, hmm. So, I actually spent like a hundred something dollars in the like like in the year two thousand um, for the whole season on like ten CD ROMs in that ugly format. Um, and so they so because it's in that weird format, they wouldn't play in a DVD player. You can only watch them on a computer. Um, but I can't believe I watched the entire like 30 25 episodes in that crazy format um and but anyway whatever uh but i'm looking forward to finally getting the american release of that set um and i know the transformer series gets really because there's three seasons of the japanese stuff the first season is looks looks very similar to the american stuff but when you get to the the one after it and the one after that, it goes crazy Japanese. Um, so I'm really curious to actually watch those like wacky ones. Interesting. Mm. Anyway, whatever. But uh... <laughs> yeah, and I know I set Isaac up to uh, pick some episodes out, but he never got around to it. So I got to get on him again. I-, I may find some. And if you have any ideas of episodes to talk about, that'd be fun too. I know what they are in my memories, but I had to figure out what the titles are. Um, all right, yeah, but we'll obviously have to get the harder sci-fi ones. I'm curious, or it seems interesting to me, the um, what we know about the Ahsoka series now, hmm. because it sounds like it's going to be basically like a continuation or like a like a sequel to rebels but it, of course in live action and that is very interesting to me it's very interesting i don't know what to say like um like they, they even revealed that you know in live action like if you see rebels and you see the very last like scene of the of the animated show it's like they recreated that in live action and go from there and that's that's pretty fascinating to me. Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious about that show. 
I'm hoping that'll be good. Yeah, it's... And I'm still hoping that this this Kenobi show will, will turn around and get good by the end. I'm hopeful. Well, I still think it's good. I'm just not, like, in love with it. And I still think Mandalorian's kind of better, but it's apples and oranges com- uh, comparison because I think it behooves Mandalorian. I like that they're not dealing... It's like Lower Decks. Like, I like that they're not dealing usually with like the epic characters or when the epic characters come, it's just like a guest appearance sort of. Um, yeah. So I feel like they have more room to tell more mundane stories and things don't have to be about like the whole galaxies at stake. They can have, you know, smaller stakes. Um, so, <laughs> and so I, I, I forgive it more for it's like slower, slightly less epic storytelling. Um, with Mandalorian, um, I'm also a bit bothered that people just reacted badly to Boba Fett because, yeah, I don't think it's perfect, but I, I think it's, I, I like it. I like what they did. Uh, it is a case. Yeah, it has some good stuff. It is a case of subjecting expectations, but to where I didn't feel like offended by it. <laughs> subjecting the expect, I, I actually thought it was interesting. Um the radical change in character and direction of Boba Fett. Yeah, I agree. I like that stuff. Not that he had much character character to change. It's kind of the funny thing about him. He was kind of a blank slate. They could do whatever they wanted, really. But Well, they wanted him to be like Mandalorian 2.0. I mean, I mean the character of Mandalorian 2.0. Like like another man with no name, Clint Eastwood. And like, no. I mean, one's enough, I think. Yeah, I liked his little plot, kind of developing his... Uh, his new rule over that little city or town, whatever. I just thought it was disappointing that they turned into a Mandalorian show, and then when it came back, it didn't feel like the same show anymore as what it was before the Mandalorian kind of took over. So I thought that was too bad, and I... I'm okay with Book of Boba Fett as being, like, an appendix to Mandalorian, and it sounds like, as the story continues, it'll kind of fold back. I mean, the Boba Fett stuff will just fold back into Mandalorian season three, which I would be fine with if that's the way it was. Like if they never did a Boba Fett book two, but, but still continue with the characters and storylines, but it was just in the mint. Like I'd be okay with that. If, if that's the way it ends up going. Yeah, me too. Oh, but talking about, uh, Tamar Morrison, that reminds me of my favorite piece of Kenobi so far. It was that little moment in the second episode when he arrives at that city. Yeah. And, uh, there's this the clone trooper that asks him for money. Yeah, and he has that moment of looking at him and just little flashback moment. I thought that was really great. It's my favorite part of that show so far. Somehow I weirdly missed it when I was watching. I don't know how. It's not like I was multitasking. I was just watching the show. It wasn't until <laughs> I was like reading. Well, because I always how y'all don't use the TV time app. I don't know, but I always, whenever I watch an episode of something <laughs> I like or something that moves me, I always love looking at the immediate comments that people have already put so i saw the comments mm. people had about that and i was just like what totally missed it but yeah but i do like that absolutely well should we should we shift gears to the the main event yeah we can in a moment i just i'm already dreaming of a strange new worlds like a movie <laughs> motion picture oh man mm. i would be so there for that oh man like I kind of like, yeah. I'm, well, I was gonna say I like him better than the prime. I mean, Kelvin timeline, but that's not fair. Well, it's the biggest thing hurting me with the Kelvin timeline is the fact that it's the Kelvin timeline, like not the prime. Yeah. Which is why I don't know if you're ever into comic books, but it's why I can never get into like the Ultimate Verse, uh, um, Marvel comic books. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah, I could just never get into it because even if they're telling really awesome stories, it's just not the prime universe. So like, I don't know how excited I can get about that. Well, I mean, a lot of them, they eventually just folded them in. They were like, oh, it's a big event, and now they're part of the main universe. So maybe right. a lot of people had that complaint. <laughs> but no, that's not that. it's not that that bothers me with the Kelvin timeline. It's that they kept feeling the need to return to stuff that we've seen before and, and do it do it again in their oh, yeah. version. Like I just can't stand that stuff. It just feels so cheap to me. Like, come up with your own ideas. Stop relying on the past. 
I was watching a good YouTube essay on Into Darkness the other day. And, you know, Into Darkness is, is the Star Trek movie least revisited by me of, of all Star Trek movies. Because um, mm. it's just difficult. It's, like, problematic from a fan canon point of view. Um, but this person in their essay, I thought it was so good because the person was making the case that the first two-thirds of the movie or so are actually amazing and amazing writing. It's just that, and they set up a lot of good character development and blah, blah, blah. But then it just all gets derailed once the reveal of Khan and blah, blah, blah. Which is kind of like how I felt about it, like in the movies too. Mm. Um, I've just never given it a much... Chance for me to go back and reanalyze it, but but uh, and then this person was making the case also that actually all the Kelvin timeline movies actually are pretty good, except for what you just said when they start relying on things from the past. And I mm-hmm. generally agree with that. And why? Because if it is like coming off as so good anyway, why sully it with that? I don't. I can't tell if they think it's fan service or if they're just desperate to cling to what's been successful before. I really don't know what it is, but I just think it's toxic for these movies. I think it's <laughs> and shows. I think it's something like, or at least I always thought it was something like, "Hey, I always thought this was cool." Like Abrams is like, "I always like that Rathacon movie," um, and I think in their minds. The Kelvin, and I think this is the same thing for other franchises too that have been that they that have been trying to be revitalized, which is we're doing this to adapt it and give it to two thirds of the audience who don't know about the old stuff. Like I think they're kind of playing it. I'm, I'm making up the ratios, but like they imagine two thirds of their audience is people who just came into Star Trek in 2009 and are vaguely aware of any of the original stuff and we're going to repackage for you something we loved and we'll just repackage it and then you should probably love it too um, because it'll be new for you Um, and then whatever um, long term fans think that's like neither here nor there or I think like it's like eh, yeah they'll go with it you know the diehards will be there, but we're just trying to present something we think would be cool for the, the new fans. That, that's kind of what I think, or think what they were thinking, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to pick a, a, an answer that makes some kind of sense from their point of view. Or to be kind to the writers. Because again, I think I think a lot of these people are hacks. That's why they, they're just repeating things that they've seen before because they have, don't have ideas of, them, of their own. But, but maybe that's just my cynicism and uh, distrust in these these studio kind of hack jobs that they just hire. Oh, oh, you have someone that that knows the producer. Give the kid the job. See what he does. Oh, he just he gave us this crap. Let's put him on the TV line of Star Trek now. I already told you what I thought. Think about um, what I, I already told you that whole thing about what I heard about Enterprise about how they only hire like young writers who check all the right boxes. For diversity um, and they mm. won't have anyone who's like older or experienced or god forbid like cis caucasian older um and i was thinking about that too and i was thinking that's probably what behooves orville so much is that i know seth mcfarland runs the writer's room personally and he's a big tng fan himself and because his career comes from the comedy vein. I'm sure his writing room is just made up of like a lot of comedy writers. Right. And, and I always kind of imagined comedy writers could kind of write anything. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see why a comedy writer couldn't write drama, especially if you give them the signposts. So, because I've always, as soon as Orville came out, it was apparent that, is so much better than Discovery. The writing is so much better than Discovery has all the production values and money and Orville has all the good writing. <laughs> and that's always been a they both came out almost the same time. And it's always been apparent that Orville has like the much stronger writing, character development, 
um, they write stories the old-fashioned way, like the Star Trek model of allegory and, you know, dealing with heavy issues through sci-fi, um, where you don't hardly get any of that in Discovery or, or Picard, or it's it's always awkward whenever they try. Um, so, yeah, Orville, and I think it's because they just have better pedigree in their writing room. Mm. Yeah, it makes a difference, that's for sure. I just watched the first 10 minutes of The Boys season premiere, season three. Mm. Did you did you watch that show? Only the first season. Okay, so you know the show pushes like the um, the mature rating. Yeah, there is something in the first ten minutes that was just shocking. In 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 being like, <laughs> like, like no one's ever done that before. As far as being shocking and gross, no one's ever done that before in anything. Um. And just oh, you coughing just yeah. now like reminded me of that of what just happens in that first ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I need to catch up. I meant to catch up when the second season ended. Just time moves so fast these days. Suddenly the third season's out. That show runs runs into a weird grouping for me where like I don't know how things fall into these different categories of mine, but I consider the boys a very good show, very strong, like production in, in all the categories. It's a very good, strong quality product that I don't particularly love. I really like the show, mm. but I don't love it like those other shows I love talking about. And I don't know why that is, because I think it's really strong. Um, maybe it's because, I don't know, maybe it's because I think that genre is super fucked out. Like the, the Watchmen, not Watchmen genre, because um, there's so many of examples of it now. Uh, but yet it's still done really well. But yet I enjoyed watching Invincible more than The Boys, even though they they tread in, in similar spheres. Oh yeah, I forgot all about that show. Mm. I dug that. I dug it. Definitely had to catch up on that too. Uh, yeah, this is not for Spartacus, but it's, uh, uh, yeah. I'm so annoyed by the trans thing that happened, um, and and then uh, Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, the people who are on the woke side of the equation, I hate how they all mm. say it's because she's Asian. And again, I think only the fringiest fringers that I, I think they're the ones who have that beef. Mm-hmm. But that is not, by and large, uh, it bothers me so much that they focus on that. And that's what they're doing with this Reva character preemptively, is they're preemptively saying it's because she's black. What? Like, that's the part that bothers me so much about Disney ginning that stuff up. Um, and mm. and how there's all these articles about, and supposedly they're true, because um, the people involved will say as much that, that people, everyone was telling her, get ready when this show comes out. Everyone, that people in Disney were telling her, like, people are going to come after you because you're black. Like, what the fuck? That shit. That, oh, God. Oh, man. That bothers me so much. Well, I mean, I can understand where they're coming from. I can, I can understand it because it goes all the way back. I mean, it even goes all the way back to fucking Lando. I mean, apparently his daughter was getting like attacks, and there was a people were pissed about him being included as a kind of a black exploitation star. I, I've never heard his credibility was questioned. Ahmed Best, I mean, all the attacks he got. Oh, but again, but oh, it's another one. That's not because he's black, though. Ahmed Best, it's not because he's black. Ah, uh, for some people, but even just the fixation on attacking him, like he didn't write the character. <laughs> I understand, but but that but why go after the actor? But that is about the writing and the uh, the directorial choices, I guess. I don't know how else to say that. Um, the production choices. In, ter- in terms of Star Wars team, they're well aware at this point that if characters aren't well received, that Star Wars fans will go after the actor. I mean, that's just that okay. seems to be a well recognized pattern at this point. So, so I can understand in that point okay, of view. That is true. That is true, but don't say it's because they're black. 
the Jar Jar thing, don't tell me that everything else could be the same about Jar Jar except it was a white actor and then everyone would just be like, oh, we don't mind him anymore. You know that's not true. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like there was a racial component there. And, and not, let's not forget also Finn. Remember when the Force Awakens? Well, there's a racial component only because the only reason there's a racial component with Jar Jar, it's not because of Mama and Bess. It's because of that funky-ass dialect. Yeah, um, no doubt. Which is rooted in racism. Uh, but again, that's not yeah. Ahmed Best, though. That's not <laughs> Ahmed Best. But they do seem to target the minority uh, actors. They do seem to target them. I mean, again, the Finn, even before the movie came out, the trailer, I remember there was tons of people complaining, like, oh, here we go. Now we have a black lead in Star Wars. And everyone, and a lot of people are getting pissed off. That was weird. <laughs> oh, no, I... It's not, it's not that it was a black lead. It's not that it was a black lead. Now, again, I don't subscribe to this argument or being upset about our outrage. But it is the reflexive reaction. For instance, like when Ghostbusters, if, when you first see the trailers and you see it's all female, there's a whole bunch of people who are reflexively going to go, oh, it's all female. But let's say the movie was good. I would have been perfectly fine with it. Because, again, for me, it's neither here nor there if it's all male or all female. What I care about is, is it actually good? Um, it just turns out it's not. Um, but Finn, mm-hmm. absolutely, people reflexively went, oh, shit. It wasn't that he was a black lead. It's that he was a black Jedi. And people were like, oh, of course there's a black Jedi. Uh, you know, And that's what they were reflexively, you know. But... If Finn would have kicked ass in the movie overall, people would have just been like, they would have just, it would have pretended like that never happened. The preemptive stuff. Uh, and actually, I thought he was pretty good in the first movie, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But uh, I agree. he wasn't so great as a character in the second and third movies. No, terrible. Everything was terrible. But, but that's my complaint about the woke mob is a lot of them. Like I said, they see a black person included and they immediately jump to anti-woke stuff before they even see the project or even really properly judge it. Hey, it's like they immediately leap to their talking points. That's just bizarre to me. Uh, uh, okay, okay. You, I agree with you on everything you said except for the part where you said it's bizarre to me. The reason it's not bizarre to me is because that's human nature. A flawed human nature. But everything else you said, I agree. Like, it's ridiculous. It's, it's so stupid. Um, before something ever comes. Oh, and there's a lot to human nature that I just find completely bizarre and mystifying. <laughs> but the wokes do the same as the anti-wokes, which is they'll write off Avatar 1 because the protagonist is a cis male, uh, Caucasian. They do the same thing. They, I I don't know if I'd go that far. What I will say is there's uh, that Again, movie, I'm uh, not saying... No, no, I'm, ta- I'm talking about... No, no, no. Just like you have the fringe anti-wokes you have the fringe wokes and the fringe wokes oh fuck another leading white male you know blah blah and then it it adds it it lends itself it bleeds into the whole um um white savior trope blah 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 i don't feel like i've seen that as much i have seen a couple weird examples like when dan was cast there's all those people were like, oh, another white man in the TARDIS. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, talk about prejudging this poor actor. That, that there you go. <laughs> there you go. No, that that's the same thing. That's the same thing. Yes, that's another example of that. But I haven't really seen it for people, like, rejecting movies based on that kind of thing. That I haven't seen, but maybe I just missed the examples. It's, it's, it, well, it's the Fringers, because obviously that movie still did pretty darn good overall. It's the Mm. Fringers, though, who are like, oh, fuck, here we go. 